was surfing the web <coughs> not too long ago, and I started to go down a rabbit hole of looking at some Apollo 11 history, and I stumbled upon flight log by day. One particular day, uh, and for the younger folks, Apollo 11 was the flight to the moon. They went to the moon, uh, put humans on the moon for the first time. But what, uh, by the way, I wasn't born then, just, just for the record. Amen? All right, all right. The one particular day on these flight logs caught my attention. And it was July 17, 1969. They're on the way to the moon. And the title of that flight log is Course Correction. And I was like, I was in that little craft. I wouldn't want to hear anything about a course correction <laughs> when I'm already out into space. First of all, I would never go into space. <laughs> but if I heard something about this is you. So we need to make a slight course correction. I'd be like, uh, I'm out. <laughs> but anyway, and then I go on to read the details. And what was really interesting, they had gotten off course just a little bit. Just a slight maneuver off course. And the way they got back on course were, in their words, on this flight log, three short thrust of the engine. Three brief thrusts. Engine thrust. Muscles do all that. Three brief engine thrust. And then they were back on course. And they saved the day. A course correction was needed. Well, this morning, we look at the spiritual discipline of course correction. You might know it better as confession. Confession. Course correction as confession in our faith journeys. We get a little weird as Methodists or as Protestants in general when we start to talk about confession because we automatically think of going into a little box, sitting down, and sliding the little window open, and the priest saying, How long has it been since your last? Confession, you're a good little Catholic, all right? Or you watch a lot of TV or movies. Um, and then uh, the person there um, spills their guts to the priest, and then the priest absolves them of their sins, in the name of Jesus, by the way, and then sometimes gives them um, something that they need to do to, to make up for it. And that's how we think of confession. In fact, in the Catholic tradition, it is a sacrament. Um, it is not a sacrament for us. We have two, baptism and confession. Catholics have seven, and confession is included. So we get a little weird about that, and we know, and we remember from school or from other ways, we know the Protestant Reformation had a lot to do with confessional abuse. Because the priests, some, not you know, certainly not all, uh, most were legit trying to help people along the way in their faith. But there were some abuses to the confessional. And so when they got to the part on what should you do, uh, let's write us a real big check and we'll make sure uh, that your sins are cleansed. And so that was 
an oversimplification of the abuse of, of the confessional that led, uh, partly led to the, to the Reformation. Um, but that is why we kind of like, I don't need to be confessing my sins to a human, right? Amen? All right, wrong. Um, anyway, we'll get to that. As Methodists, uh, our founder of the movement, John Wesley, really, really believed in confession. And he kind of wished that that was a sacrament for us as well. Not because he wanted to hear anybody's sins in a little box. And I certainly don't want to hear your sins. Marty, do not make an appointment to come back to your show.
The problem is, all along the way, we have to be doing check-ins. We have to be hearing from Houston. We have to be hearing from the Holy Spirit. And we have to be uh, cognizant of the fact that every once in a while we have to do this course correction because we, as humans, are not perfect. Amen? And so we confess. We confess. That is our course correction. Confession. Confession is a means of healing and transforming the inner spirit. Salvation uh, is an event process, and we work it out uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit with fear and trembling, Paul says in Philippians. Confession is a grace and a discipline, and we can practice it, and we can utilize it. It's a gift from God to be used, not to be put on the shelf, uh, because some may abuse it. Uh, and, and, and so it's a, it's a mutual act. Uh, and it's a corporate act, and it's a private act, all together, all rolled up into one. And so it can be a powerful, powerful mechanism uh, to get us corrected on our journey. Another thing that confession does, and it kind of relates to last week about getting our own way, a confession uh, makes us confront ourselves, hold up a mirror to ourselves. It makes it so that we can't make any excuses. And that's what we love to do. Uh, when we made a mistake, we like to blame other people, right? Um, if I get angry too much, we blame, uh, well, my father was angry all the time. And he passed that gene on to me. That's just how we are. If we like to be hold grudges, well, that's the way, uh, you know, Rudolph's are. Rudolph's hold grudges. It's totally not true. Um, but you get the point. And we like to blame other people. What's my upbringing? So, well, if I just had money, I wouldn't have to steal. Blah, blah, blah. We like to blame other people. Um, but confession uh, puts it out. We can't blame people when we confess our sin. We have, and that's part of confession is we're admitting that we're wrong. I think uh, Matthew or Luke up here in the uh, children's message says that you can't blame other people. So how do we go about confession? Again, we said, Marty, don't make an appointment with me. Uh, that's what we know we don't do. Uh, but anyway, uh, we have some examples throughout church history. Um, uh, Martin Luther, uh, one of the ways that he did it, he examined himself daily based on the Ten Commandments. So he would go through one commandment at a time, thou not shalt, thou shalt not steal, and so he would think about, did not steal anything, and he would use a broader sentence, more like the uh, Sermon on the Mount, where he heard it said, do not steal, I say to you, do not, whatever, whatever he said there. They're a broader sense of the word. Uh, do not murder. Well, of course, Luther, I hope, didn't murder anybody that, that day, but he would think about all the relationships, human relationships that he may have damaged that day, uh, and he would examine himself that way. Others uh, might just look at and start naming sins that we think of in terms of pride and anger, fear, sloth, you know, those famous uh, seven deadly sins, uh, gluttony, adultery, murder, and, and kind of look at ourselves that way. And so there's, there's no real one way. Some do it in a group, like the Methodist um, meetings that I talked about earlier. Some do talk to their pastors about sin. Pastors talk to other pastors or, to, or lay people that are friends and, and trusting, and you can confess them to one another as, as you do that. Uh, but certainly always in prayer and in conversation and in recognition that it's Christ that is doing the forgiveness. Forgiveness. Uh, there are three things that we 
Going finally to the Foster book, Celebration of Discipline. There's three things that are listed in there that, that he had gotten from the saints of the church uh, that are needed for confession. Number one is examination of conscience. And, and so that's kind of what we said that we did and, and others. So, so you had to be in a prayerful state to where you can really reflect on your day. Examination of conscience is reflection. Sorrow. I mean, it has to really be from a contrite heart. I mean, you can't just say, oh, well, I did this. You can't be flippant about it. All right? It has to be really a true confession is your own heart is broken because the way you have behaved, the way you have treated someone, the way that you have uh, neglected God, it has to break your own heart. And you have to be in that state of utter despair that you have done something wrong. That's where you get real true confession in the biblical sense. And then third and is the repentance part. You have to be determined to avoid that sin in the future. All right? It's not a free get out of jail card type of situation where you say, well, I can do whatever I want today. When I go home tonight, I'll hit my knees and pray and ask for forgiveness. And then tomorrow I'll watch and repeat. Okay? It doesn't work that way. But many of us will act that way. We'll do it. We'll do exactly that. Even if it's not consciously, we do it. We cannot get out of that pattern of sin. So we have to be determined to avoid the sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can guide us through that. If we have examined our conscience and we're truly sorrowful, and then we pray for the Spirit to guide us and help us to be determined to avoid that sin. One specific example that I really like on how to do confession. Uh, and this was a powerful example uh, from Richard Foster. Uh, he was talking about at one point in his life, he was overwhelmed uh, by the weight of his ministry, and he wanted to see, uh, kind of felt a lack of power of God in his life and work, and he wanted to reclaim that. And so he started doing some work with his confession and how he was confessing, and he says, just not, just not working. Uh, so what he what he decided to do was take uh, his life and divide it into three different areas. And really think about this for a moment. I think this is a really powerful example of, of one way you could confess your sin. So he took his childhood, his adolescence, and then his adulthood. And you might have to break it up in different ways. I think I'd have to break it up into four areas. Uh, but childhood, so he took 10 minutes of prayer one day. And he was silent and he was praying to God. He had a piece of paper and a pen out. After that 10 minutes, all the sins of his childhood that came up in that 10 minute period, he wrote down. All the sins. I think I would need more than one page from my childhood. The way I would act for my mom. He did that. The next day, he did the same process for his adolescence. Think about those immature years in our lives, and that's probably a pretty long list for most of us as well. And then the third, adulthood, and he did the same process the third day. Each day praying for 10 minutes, each day writing down the sins that came to mind. I mean, already that part of the process would be very powerful, right? For a lot of us. Amen? Actually, write out your sin. Can you imagine writing out your sin? Make sure your spouse 
we have reached. Let's live in a way that is consistent with whatever level it is that we've reached. The way that we do that, the way we live consistently, is to do these course corrections along the way as we're heading towards our goals. And we confess to God where we have fallen short, what we have done wrong, what that we have said that has offended others, what we have left undone that could have been helpful. And we give these over to God. It corrects our course and puts us back on the path of sanctification. It puts us back in order to be able to reach our goals, which is to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen? Amen. Press on this week, ever ready to make course correction. With that, we will have a moment.